0: you've heard the story how well do you know the author the one behind the story who knows you and calls you by name how do you learn about this one who is shrouded in mystery each name of God in scripture provides important brushstrokes each with its distinctive hues and lines that ultimately combine to provide a compelling and beautiful picture Of the one true God. But be prepared, it will totally change what you think about God, and it will change your life. Hello, Mountain. Hope you're doing great this weekend. Uh, I love that we are one church in three locations and it gives us opportunity. We don't ever want to miss an opportunity to say hello to everybody. So we say hello to our Bellar campus over at John Kerr School. Everybody say hello. Yeah. Hello. And we say hello to our Edgewood campus over at the epicenter. Everybody say hello. Yeah. And all you, all them over there are now going to yell back at you to say hello to the people at the Mountain Road campus here at the New Life Center. Ah, nice to hear from you. Okay, that's how that works. Hey, we're beginning a new series today, uh, and it's called A.K.A. God. A.K.A. God. I remember when I was a hospital chaplain in, uh, uh, in Tennessee, and I was in a hospital room with uh, this man who'd been kind of semi-tomachos, in and out of consciousness for a long time. He really wasn't doing very well, kind of approaching the end of his life or so it appeared. And his family was all around his bedside and they were talking about what they should do. Uh, these adult children were trying to make end-of-life decisions and should we move him to a regular room? What, should we get him home? What about the medical procedures? What would he want? You know, I don't know what we... What do you think Dad would want? And they were having all this conversation and, and then all of a sudden, the old guy pops his eyes open and says, well, why don't you just ask me? (laughs) It was the most horrifying and hilarious all at the same time experience I've ever had as a chaplain. I'm right here, he says, why don't you just ask me? And they were very surprised because they didn't know he was even alert or awake or aware of what they were saying at all. They had kind of forgotten that the number one expert on what their dad wanted was (laughs) their dad. Right. I think the same kind of thing happens with God all the time. You know, everybody has an opinion about God and what he is, who, what he wants, who he is, what he thinks, and what he's really like. And once in a while, I think God just must want to just smack us upside the head and says, why don't you ask me? You know, I'm right here. And maybe that's what we should do. That's what this series is designed to do. A.K.A. God is a, is a way to let God kind of smack us upside the head and, and, and just reveal Himself to us about who He is, what He's like, what He wants, and how we can be in relationship with Him. Because, after all, the, the, the absolute best source for all of those questions is God Himself. Would you agree? Yeah. So instead of turning to Uncle Louie or your Aunt Nellie or the History Channel... Or you know your opinionated relatives, or going to Google, or some religion teacher in a classroom somewhere. What we're we're, we're going to let God speak for Himself about this quest that every human being really has to know God, to understand God. A. W. Tozer once said, "What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us." That's pretty profound. And I think it's probably true. And you and I, we all have something that comes into our mind when we think about God. And the important question is, where did whatever comes into your mind, where did it come from? And is it true? Because if it's really not a description of the real God, then you can't have a real relationship with the real you and the real God. See, a lot of times we want to start building our understanding of God from the bottom up. Meaning that we puny humanoids kind of sit around and pool our ignorance and talk about what we think God should be like and what He should think like and what God would be like if I were God. And the result is we always end up putting God in a box when we start from the bottom and move up like that, see? We always end up putting God in a box. And philosophers and theologians and others have put lots of boxes around God. And that's why today if you study religion you're going to find there's such a thing as animism. That's a kind of box. Or or fetishism or polytheism, mini-gods, or Henotheism, mini-gods with one at the top like Zeus, or pantheism where all is God and God is all, or deism where he's a big, you know, clockmaker god who wound up and walked off, or or there's all kinds of names like that I I found a few more that I think are also true that end up putting God in a box when we start with what we think God should be like let me see if you recognize any of these or maybe even have recognized them in your own life, maybe there's Aladdinism Aladdinism This is where God is thought of like a genie in a bottle, sort of like Aladdin. You just rub the bottle and with some prayer, maybe, or being good, and God pops out. He's all blue and friendly and at your service to fulfill your wishes. He fixes all your problems, and then when you're done with him, you just put him back in the bottle. That's Aladdinism. How about weekendism? Ever heard of that one? God lives in the box of a church building. And you just go visit him like you're going to some nursing home or something to visit some, some old person. And the rest of the week you don't give it much thought. The real you isn't in a real relationship with the real God. You just keep him in your box. Visiting God every seven days makes one week. <laughs> Ticked offism is another one where God is kept in a box. You always walk on eggshells around God because you're pretty sure he's angry. He's sort of like a caged alligator. You don't want to let him out of there. Because he's probably going to take someone's head off. God has these anger management issues, and he might just arbitrarily chomp on you because he's always ticked off. And then there's happy grandpaism. God is like a big happy grandpa. Back in the day, you know, God got around better. He was sharp. He was good at his game. Now he's a little hard of hearing. Doesn't, you know, doesn't really do much except sit on the porch, a friendly, cute old man with suspenders, drinking lemonade, swinging on the on the porch swing. But and then when he, it, no matter what we do or how we treat him or how we live, he just kind of laughs it off. <laughs> Those darn kids. Happy gramps. And then there's buzzkillism. That's a box that a lot of people put God in. Buzzkillism is a, is a is a box that sees God as this great cosmic killjoy, a, a deified Debbie Downer who who who's just it makes us want to not really pursue God too deeply because, you know, well, after all, God's into all that sacrifice and, and, and all that suffering stuff, and He thinks that's fun, and I, I want the good life. I want to be able to have some fun. And I don't think those two could go together, God and fun, so God is a big buzzkill. You know, there's lots of boxes, aren't there? Whenever we start with what we think God is like, we're going to end up with God in some kind of box or other. And so what we want to do, instead of building from the bottom up, We'll only create a box that way and put God in. We want to we kind of go from the top down and just say, God, who are you? How could we know you? And the Bible promises that if we seek him, we'll find him. We want to get God out of his box by listening to God. And God, as it turns out, is a very self-revealing God. He wants us to know him. He reveals himself through the story as we've just seen. Through his word. Through his actions in history in real historical ways and places. And He reveals Himself most notably through His Son and through His Spirit, through His creation. And God reveals Himself to us through His names. And that's what we're going to be focusing on over the next several weeks, is the names of God. The names that God Himself says, yeah, that's a good name for me. Names are fun to think about, aren't they? Uh, Names are kind of, sometimes can be funny. Uh, You know, when, when when a woman... It chooses to change her name by getting married, it sometimes can create something interesting. you got to think that through ahead of time. Like, just think about it. What if Dolly Parton married Salvador Dolly? You'd have Dolly Dolly. You know, that would be kind of, a, kind of bad. What if, what if the singer Ella Fitzgerald actually married Darth Vader? Then what would you have? Elevator, yeah. Which, so you see this name thing has its ups and downs. What if, what if, B, what if B. Arthur married the rock singer Sting? Beasting, right? That would create a buzz, right? See, you see how this works? Do you, you want one more? Okay. What if Ivana Trump married, in succession, English actor Mr. Bean, and then King Oscar of Norway, and then singer John Mayer, and then King Gris- Congressman Anthony Weiner? She could introduce herself actually as Ivana Bean Oscar Mayer Weiner. See, that would be really, really cool. Names, names are just funny that way. There was a little kid who was sure that God's name was Harold. And uh, his mother saying, what are you doing? He was, he was starting to pray, says, dear Harold, uh, thank you for the food. And his mom's like, well, what, are you, what are you praying to Harold for? He says, well, we, every weekend in church, mom, we say, our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. And, and so he was pretty sure that's what God's name was. Well, we're, we're going to get to know some of the names of God. And it's, uh, Harold is not going to be on that list. Um, but the goal here isn't just to learn some facts or some knowledge about God. The goal is to know God. And I hope that you want to know God and that you'll allow your own name to be given to God. You know, our name stands for a lot of who we are. When we talk about the name of a person, you we say, well, they've, they've earned a good name or she made a name for herself. We're talking about more than just letters that make up a sound that you bark when you want someone to come to dinner. A name represents who a person is. And when we reveal our names, it's the beginning of relationship. If I say, introduce yourselves, and you all just say hi. That, that's, that's not much of an introduction. But if you say, hi, my name is Ben. If I say, hi, my name is Benjamin Andrew Kucheras, and I give you my cell phone number, now I've made myself vulnerable and open. And God does that for us, and I'm asking you to be willing to do it to God. To know the real God, not some box God. And let him know the real you, not some version of you that you bring because you're ashamed of the real you or, you or you just don't let God into the real you. And have a real relationship, not rituals or rules or religion, but relationship with God. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. That's what we want to do. Now, names sometimes have a lot of significance. You know, not always, but sometimes. In our, in our family, I have, a, I have a brother who died at in infancy. His name was Joel Andrew Cacheras. And so when Carla and I had our second son, we named him Andrew Joel Cacheras. It was our way of saying, "Yes, we've had a loss in our family, but God has given us new life." And in fact, moving from Joel Andrew to Andrew Joel reminds us that God reverses death. And, and so there's there's meaning there. There's there's a story there, and. God's names are like that. In biblical times in general, names carried a lot of value. And you're probably familiar with this through the story. You saw how often the name carried a lot of meaning, especially when a name changes like from from Saul to Paul or Abram to Abraham. Or, you know, from Simon to Peter. When Jesus was was born, they, God told Joseph, Name him Jesus, for he will save our people from his sins. Jesus, Yeshua, means Savior. So there's lots of meanings. And the names of God describe who God is, and they, they, they define his personality. They really carry the very identity of God. His character, his person are all concentrated down into the name, and the names of God. Now we're going to look at different names each uh, each week, but this week, we're going to look actually at the personal name of God. God's just got one personal name. Now, I've got a lot of titles that you could assign to me. You could call me pastor, I'm on a board, you know, board member, I'm a trustee, different places, or I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Those are all true things of me, but I also have a personal name. My name is Ben. Ben. God's the same way. There are lots of the names that we'll be looking at that are like descriptions and titles. Almighty, Creator, Sustainer, Friend, Rock, Redeemer. Those are all true. But God has a personal name. And that's the one we're going to look at right now And the name of God that He gives for us, which is mentioned 6,800 some times. Almost 7,000 times in the Bible. The personal name for God is Yahweh. 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 It looks like this, four Hebrew consonants. You can see them there if you uh, want to kind of just see what it would look like in Hebrew. In Hebrew, of course, you move from the right to the left. We would say that's backwards, uh, but it's, you see the four letters there, Yod, He, Vav, and He. And then in English, if you were translating or transliterating that in English, moving from the left to the right, you'd, you'd probably put a, a Y-H-W-H. And the way that they would have pronounced that is something like this, Yahweh. Yahweh. They don't actually have the vowels in the Hebrew. They just had the, the consonants. And those four letters, are, it's called the Tetragrammaton. Everybody say that. Tetragrammaton. Tetragram means the four letters. It, it stands for, they would refer to it as the Tetragrammaton because they didn't want to actually say the name of God. It was too holy. And so w- when you say hallelujah, hallelujah means praise, hallelujah, praise. And Yah is short for Yahweh. You're saying praise God. So the way that they would pronounce that was Yahweh as we said and here's what it would look like then if you kind of spelled it out in English uh, Y-A-H-W-E-H kind of add in a couple of vowels to give it the sounds that we would use in English Yahweh, Yahweh God's personal name is Yahweh Now maybe you've seen it in this kind of version of it the word Jehovah Have you seen that before? You probably have what, Where that came from is some folks actually took the vowels from another name of God, Adonai, which basically means Almighty or Lord and they took those vowels and stuffed them into the word Yahweh and came up with this other newfangled word, Jehovah it's not really a word that appears in Scripture but a lot of folks use it and we all just kind of assume it's close enough to Yahweh and it really is. But Yahweh's name, Yahweh is the personal name of God. And in your Bibles every time you see it it's going to be Um, taken, it won't say Yahweh. Now some of your translations might say Yahweh but most of the time because of the reverence for the name of God going clear back to Orthodox Judaism in your Bibles when it's translated into English most of the time it'll just appear in all capital letters with the word Lord. Every time in your Bible you see the word Lord in all caps that's actually the personal name Yahweh, God's name. O Lord our Lord how majestic is your name. Well The first Lord is capitalized. Oh, Yahweh, our Lord. How majestic is your name. Isaiah 42 says, I am Yahweh. That is my name, and I don't want any other person to have it. So, where does this come from? Well, um,. The, the most classic story in place where we first are introduced to the name of God where God reveals this personal name to us is actually in Scripture if you want to open your Bible to Exodus chapter 3 this is to some old timers a familiar story about Moses who is up on the mountain of God he doesn't know he's on the mountain of God he thinks he's out he thinks he's out just doing what he does every other day sh- uh, herding sheep, right? not herding sheep, but herding sheep yeah Sometimes I'm sure he heard him, but anyway. He's 80 years old. You think you've got a bad job. Some people complain about their job. It's like, you ever heard about Moses? He's 80 years old. He's been working for his father-in-law out in the dry, dusty desert poking a stick at sheep for 40 years. That's a tough job. And there he is. And this is where all of a sudden he sees this bush combust into flame. Now, we think that's bizarre. I'm just guessing, and I think I'm right, that Moses had probably seen that actually many times. Uh, 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 A brush fire is not that uncommon out in the middle of the desert. But this one was a little unique in that some sounds or something something drew him toward it. Maybe just because he's a guy and he likes fire. But he draws close to it. And as he starts to get close to it, God speaks out of the bush. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to take a look, God called to him from the bush and said, Moses, Moses, when you want to get someone's attention, you call their name twice. Andrew, 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 Andrew. I, I get his attention, see? And all of a sudden he's like, what, what, what? And God was getting his attention. When God wants to get your attention, he's going he's to do that. And Moses said, here I am. I would guess. And God's when God says, hey, Moses, take off your shoes. The place you're standing now is holy ground. This, this place is, is filled with my presence. God says, I'm here now. This, this, is, this is not just you on a Tuesday afternoon poking your stick at, at sheep like every other day. I want you to pay attention because I'm here right now with you in your ordinary life on the top of this ordinary mountain which has now become the mountain of God because I'm here. You see what's going on? And I don't think Moses said, well, you know, Mr. Bush, um, I've got such tender feet and my toes are tender and I've got this athlete's foot thing going on. I don't think so. I think he probably took his shoes off right away. When God speaks, when God tells you to do something, you should do it. Even if it seems silly to you, or you don't understand why, and God speaks from the bush, and it's like it's almost like God saying, "Hey, you remember the story? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, I'm the I'm, you're about to meet the author right now." And Moses kind of hid his face and God keeps speaking out of the bush. He says, I have heard the cries and the misery of my people. I've heard the oppression and I don't like it. I, I understand the difficulty and the hardship that everyone is going through with my people and here's what I'm going to do. Moses, I'm going to send you. I want you to go over to Pharaoh and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. The slavery is going to be over. And Moses doesn't buy in very quickly. He's full of excuses and hesitations and insecurities. He says, I I appreciate that you're God and everything, talking out of this bush, but I don't care who you are. This is a bad idea because you don't know. I'm not up to this. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I to do this? And I love God's response. Look at verse 12. God said, I will be with you. Will you say those words with me? I will be with you person who understands and believes that in the midst of your ordinary everyday life has a completely different life than the person who doesn't know that, I will be with you. This is the first huge thing we need to understand about the name of God, that God is with us wrapped up in the identity in the name of God that this is a God who desires to be with us who offers his presence who keeps breaking into our reality our ordinary everyday lives into the midst of our hell on earth hell is whenever we're separated from God and that's what God's saying here he's saying I I understand that things are rough and so I am with you hell is separation from God heaven is when we're with God and God's very name Invite some heaven on earth into our lives. God is with us now. Notice that God doesn't give Moses a little pep talk here. Okay, he's freaked out. He's overwhelmed. It's the most powerful government, and you want me to go into Pharaoh's face and, and get the people out. He's uh, you know he's I can't even think about that. That's impossible. And, and God doesn't just say you know Hey, believe in yourself, Mo. You can, We can do it. He doesn't say you know, here's the Yahweh yell, uh, let's, let's learn it together. He doesn't say, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important, Moses. He, he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, Moses, look in the mirror and, and, and just say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, I'm Yahweh, and I'm here to pump you up, Moses. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't argue with him at all. God is saying, it's not about who you are, Moses. It's about who I am. And I'm with you. I'm using a bush right now, dude. If I can use a bush, it doesn't matter who you are. Right? I will be with you. Moses is still unconvinced. And he says to the Lord, verse 13, Suppose I say to the Israelites, Okay, suppose I say, okay, uh, the God of the fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? And What am I supposed to tell them? I mean, I'm talking to a bush. What am I supposed to tell them? And as far as we know, this is the first time anyone ever asked God to see some ID. This is asking for personal identification. And here it is. Here's where Yahweh is introduced. Verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And that's the word Yahweh. It comes from the verb to be. It means I am. I always have been, I always will be. I am the one who is. I'm the one who will be there with you. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. The the eternal, pre-existent, always there God, the God who is, will be with you. His name is Yahweh. That's what Yahweh means. It means I am. It means I am. I be. I am the one who will be there with you. The very name of God is a promise of His presence. I am with you. And that's what God says 7,000 times He wants to be His name, known for all generations. I am. That God is with you. You're not going alone. Whatever you're facing in your life, my friend, whatever whatever hell you're experiencing where there's misery and oppression and you need God to do some deliverance, whatever big scary thing you're about to face, whatever Pharaoh in your life, the promise God wants to know is, I am with you. That's what He wants you to know, that God is with you. You're not going alone. And this is the name of God that is reinforced over and over again. Not just 7,000 times in his name but when Jesus shows up what's his name you shall call him Emmanuel and what does that mean God is with us and Jesus called his disciples to be with him and before he left he said I will be with you always even to the end of the age and he says don't be don't let your hearts be troubled because I know you're going through a hard time, but I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you that I'll come back and get you that you may be with me where I am. That's what heaven is when we're with God and we get out of hell where we're separated from God. Wherever you are, you can be with God. That's what God wants you to know. That's what His name means. He wants to be with you. I am. I am God. I am running the planet. I am the owner of everything. I'm in charge. I'm in control. I'm the creator and sustainer of life. I'm enough. I'm the one who made you. I'm the last one you'll deal with before judgment. I am God. I be. And I'm with you. The second thing about that we need to know about the God if you want a real relationship with God, it's not just that this God is now you know, moving toward us and wants to be with us and has promised His presence, but that this God who's doing all that is huge. God is big. That's what I am means. It means it points us immediately to the magnitude of God. Do you realize that we're just a speck of dust on a dust mite's rear end? Do you realize how tiny and puny the whole planet is compared to what God is? My goodness. Take a look at this. See that picture? We'll put them on the screen here. That little blue ball, that's where we live. If we had put a UR here arrow, it'd be somewhere in Maryland. You wouldn't hardly be able to see it. Earth's pretty small compared to some other planets. Take a look at this next slide compared to Jupiter and Saturn. They're the big boys in the hood, aren't they? You begin to see what a humble little ball we live on. But even Jupiter and Saturn get dwarfed when you compare it to the sun. Take a look at this. You see the sun there? That's the sun compared to those little planets. Enormous mass. And the sun is just an average to small size star. And when you compare the sun to a, a mid-sized star like Pollux, look at this. This is what it looks like. Pollux is the little one in the middle. And how about, how about the, the big one next to it, Arcturus? Arcturus is just a, a nice medium-sized star. But Arcturus doesn't even look so big. When you put it up next to Betelgeuse, look at this. Betelgeuse is on the left there, and can you see Arcturus down below, that little tiny thing? That's Arcturus. Have you you still kept track of where you are? Now look at Antares. It's just your average run-of-the-mill star. Approximately a thousand light years from here. Still bright enough you can see it if you look up in the sky at night. And all of these things make up the Milky Way and billions... And billions of these stars and trillions of orbiting planets make up the Milky Way. And if you're having trouble staying oriented, let me just help you here. Take a look at this. You are here. Okay? That's pointing to the sun in our solar system, one of 300 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy with about 50 billion planets. And by the way, from left to right, if you want to just go check out the other side of the Milky Way, it's 100,000 light years across. So just hop in your car and drive at 186,000 miles per second for about mm, 100,000 years without stopping or going to the bathroom and you will make it to the other side of our little galaxy. Now let's pull back and look at the many galaxies all around us see pull back and check it out can you find yourself there in our tiny solar system a little, there's other galaxies and let's pull back some more and here's here here's a deep field view of entire galaxies all of which some of which are so immense you could fit thousands of our Milky Way inside of them every one of those is another galaxy pull back again and many of these are massive countless galaxies that have trillions and trillions of stars in them let's pull back again And every speck you see there is a galaxy consisting of trillions and trillions of stars. Pull back again. Do you know the Milky Way is one of about 200 billion galaxies in the known universe? Can you find yourself? Can you find yourself? The great I am is the one that kind of makes you want to just say with Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory even above the heavens. Verse 3, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what are humans that you're concerned with us, that you even care about us? Isaiah 40 is a powerful passage I encourage you to read this week. Isaiah 40, verse 26 says, Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? He he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of His great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Verse 28, don't you know? Have you not heard? The Lord. That's the name Yahweh. Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator, the ends of the earth. And He will never grow tired or weary. And His understanding no one can find. Fathom, not Hubble, not anyone can fathom it. God is big. And the punchline for me is that we're not. God is big and we're not. If God's name is I am, I am God, that means that he is the God that we need. I am God. That means that I can't be. I am. Nor can you. God's name is I am. You know what that means? That means your name is I am not. I am not. I am not the center of the universe. I am not ultimately in control. I am not able to handle all the problems that come up in my life. I am not able to be two places at once. I am not all-powerful. I am not all-knowing. I am not calling the shots. I am not the real owner of anything. I am not the Lord. Try it under your breath with me. Wait just for a second. Try it under your breath. God met Moses at the burning bush and he says, I am. It's not about who you are. You are not. I am. I will be with you and I'm big. And now he's meeting you. And he says to you, I am. And you just say under your breath one time. Just say, I am not. Go ahead and try it. I am not. I'm not running anything. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm not the maker. I'm not the savior. I'm not holding everything together. I'm not all-knowing. I am not God. Doesn't it feel better just to let it go a little bit? Get over yourself a little bit, you little puny humanoid. You've got a God who made you and loves you. Next time you show up at a party and they give you one of these cups, you just take it and say, oh, okay, I got it. I am not. Yeah, that's who you are. I am, God says, and I am not. And when you're worried and your life starts to fall apart and you, and you say, who will stand with me? You can hear the response. I am. Who will make sure that truth wins out over lies in this old world? I am. Our vision and Mountain is so huge. I, I, I wonder, it's going to require all these resources. Who's going to pay for all that? Who's going to pray for all How's that all going to happen? I am. I can't do this on my own anymore, you might say. I need help. Who will help me? I am. Who's smart enough to figure out this problem I'm facing? I am. What if my husband walks out on me and the kids? What about what then? I am. What if chemo isn't enough? Or who's going to stay in this big empty house with me now? Or who's going to pull me out of my pit of depression? Who's listening when nobody cares? Who's my friend? Who understands? I'm going under. Somebody help me. I am. I am. I am. I am. The God who is big is with us. Who is going to one day bring the whole story to completion? I am. I always have been and I always will be. That's what we need to know about God. This is the real God who wants to be in a real relationship with the real you. The God who is with us. The God who is big. And I want to give you one more. This God knows your name. Knows your name. This God wants you to say, I am not, but I know I am wants to be in relationship with you we can know i am and that happens through jesus get check this out jesus one day is talking to a bunch of religious leaders and they were very much into the i am god they they said the yahweh they thought god was so holy they didn't even say his name they uttered it they'd say they refer to him as he whose name shall not be mentioned They refer to him by other names like adonai or lord or they'd write like g asterisk asterisk because they didn't want to say the name of god it's that holy And they're talking about how we're descendants of Abraham puffing their chests out. And and Jesus basically says, in verse 58 of John 8, I'll tell you the truth, before Abraham even was, I am. Did you just hear that? Like they would have heard it? They picked up stones and they tried to kill him right then because they knew what he was saying. He was saying, he was using the very name of God. The one that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And Jesus uses the same words to describe himself he goes on in many other occasions to say I am the bread of life same words I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am before Abraham was. I am the good shepherd. And that's why the Bible says salvation is found in no other name because this I am is the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus now every knee will bow because Jesus becomes the great I am. And you know what? This Jesus is a shepherd As as John 10 would say, the sheep learn to listen to His voice. And then He calls us by name. He knows your name today, my friend. You're getting to know His name. Maybe some of you didn't realize fully how much He wants to be with you. Maybe you haven't brought the real you to a real relationship with the real God. Maybe you didn't realize how big God was because your problems seem so big. Your fears and your skepticism and your doubts seem so big. You didn't maybe realize how big God was. Maybe you didn't... Maybe you've had trouble accepting that He knows your name and loves you. I hope that you will not only know God's name but realize He knows yours. Isaiah 43 says, This is what the Lord says. That's the word Yahweh. This is what Yahweh says. He who created you, He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. And you are mine. Maybe some of you are sensing the summoning of God. Him calling you and speaking to you. Maybe not out of a bush. But right now... Isaiah 49, verse 16, I'll leave you with. This is Yahweh speaking. And he says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. It's pretty hip and trendy today for people to get tattoos. And it's really cool if you can put it in Hebrew, you know, make it look like some obscure thing. And if you're a believer, maybe you put the name of God. Maybe put Yahweh, you know. I've seen that. I've seen people put, you know, Yahweh, Yod, Yod. Hey, Bob, hey, right there. You see what this is saying? It's saying from the beginning of time, from the day you were born, God tattooed your name on his palm where he could see it every day. Because this great I Am, who is big, loves you and knows your name. Let's pray. Lord, we we're like Moses. Part of us wants to just turn aside and cower in the face in the presence of one so mighty. But we're also just at the same time drawn to you, as we, we long for you and we long for a restored relationship with you, and we long for your presence. So thank you, Lord, for creating us and calling us into a relationship with yourself. Help us to reveal ourselves to you just as you have revealed yourself to us so that we might know you and live with you where you are. Through Christ we pray.